Welcome to the Young Crones Cafe, where you can get a magic brew full of all sorts of information, both witchy and practical. Grab a cup of coffee and join us. I'm Elizabeth, a wordsmith. And I'm Dave, a modern-day sage. We are going to talk about various witchcraft and life topics from a slightly more mature perspective, at least most of the time. Thanks for joining us. Today's metaphysical kernel of thought is quarter colors. Many Wiccan pagan traditions use the basic colors of yellow, air, red, fire, blue, water, and green, or sometimes brown, earth, for the four physical elements to represent them in the quarters for ritual. Often they use colored candles or other objects to represent each. This seemed a somewhat arbitrary assignment to us, although they also relate to traditional color correspondences. However, the path also associates one of each of the four times throughout the day with each element. These times represented by other colors became a better fit for us. The eastern quarter is associated with air and is also the place of dawn. Each dawn starts a new day, which corresponds to new ideas and beginnings. We use the color white to represent this element because it is the color at the horizon just before sunrise. It is also the color of smoke, which we use as a visual representation for air. The southern quarter is associated with fire and is also the place of midday. This is often the warmest part of the day where we live. Each midday is often the busiest time, which corresponds to the need for will and passions. We use the color bright red to represent this element because of the heat generated by the sun during the peak of daylight. The western quarter is associated with water and is also the place of twilight as the sun sets in the west. Each twilight is a betwixt and between time and place, which corresponds to the transitory nature of emotions and being in the flow. We use the color gray to represent this element because it is the color of the horizon as the sun sinks beneath it. The northern quarter is associated with earth and is also the place of night. Each night is a time of quiet, which corresponds to the potential for hidden knowledge and strong foundations. We use the color black to represent this element because of the absence of sunlight at this time of day. We use white, red, gray, and black to not only represent the elements, but many of the items we create or use in our practices. For example, we sometimes wear stoles colored red and white for certain types of rituals. Hello, Dave. Hi, Elizabeth. How are you? Uh, hanging in there, you know, and relishing the fact that there's snow out there and I'm in here. <laughs> yeah, it, it's one of those days that I describe as really pretty through an inch of glass. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you know, so we're, so we'll... I'm not crazy about that wind, but there again, inch of glass. <laughs> yes. It's fun to see it move. The tree is moving, you know, as long as I'm not trying to get down the street in it. You know, so, yeah. Well, it is said. You know, for, for folks that, that don't get a chance to see the change of the seasons, it's there's some neat little subtle things about it. Like right now, there's that last 2 or 3% of the leaves that still have not let go of the tree. It's so hard to cling on in the wind while they're being pelted with snowflakes. Yeah. And just that sort of almost like twilight, but it's that pretty time where you can visibly see the transition 
oh, from yeah. the season to season. It's just, for me, it's always kind of profound this time of year. Oh, yeah. The, fir- the first snowfall is kind of wonderful. I think it takes us back to the time when you were a kid. And you yeah. were out to make snowballs and everything because it was snowing. And you turn into an adult who's, like, going to drive in traffic with people who have lived here probably as long as we have and forget from year to year how to drive in the snow. It's like a collective, I don't know, hallucination kind of thing. Like, yes, it's going to be just fine if I don't slow down when it's icy. My my significant other is an over-the-road truck driver. Mm, a lot of times she'll have the headset on while she's going down the road talking to me and yeah this time of year she swears like a trucker or like a sailor (laughs) (laughs) yes well she is a trucker she's allowed to swear like that because people are nuts or they're that's putting it politely you know, they think they really can drive just the same in the snow as they do. You knew how to do this six months ago. It's not hard. No, it's not. <laughs> Especially not around here, you know, where we can have snow anytime between October and May and nobody blinks about it, you know. So what are we uh, what are we going through on the path today? Okay, well, we're talking about our quarter colors, for want of a better word, and kind of why we associate them with things. You know, the particular directions and how the colors seem to fit what we picked. Because that's the nice part about being on the path or any spiritual practice you get to pick. And a lot of us come in from a more standard pagan background where it's yellow for air and red for fire and blue for water and green for earth. And you sit there with these primary colors going what the fuck? Well, and I only ever agreed with two of those anyway, but that's just me. My, mine was always, why is air yellow? Right. Okay, we are not living in the ages of the fog from the Industrial Revolution. Right, and we're not genius. <laughs> <laughs> they used to take over a town, you know, and it's like, okay, people, why yellow? You know. Well, and, and the way the way it's done on the path where we associate colors not just with the four elements but with the four seasons and the four times of day in the day cycle and the four times of year in the year cycle you know the 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 seasons or the times of it just to me this sort of simplifies the major basic correspondences that took me some time to to sort of wrap my head around because yeah. they are different and of course now that i'm understanding them more and more i'm seeing more and more where it is that that you and sue came up with these ideas yeah and uh, they tend to interconnect better you know so to them. so for air only be, i'm only going to go in this order because you mentioned them yeah. yellow, yellow red blue and green or brown so for yellow was air, and for the path, air has been associated with the east. Mm-hmm. The time of day is dawn. Yep. And the color is white. Mm-hmm. Or a lot of times we use smoke yeah. to, to symbolize or, or signify air. So instead of having to try to figure out yellow, which I always struggled with, east makes sense to me. It's or the White makes sense to me because in the east is the dawn, and that's the color of the sky at dawn. Mm-hmm. Right before the sun comes up. 
You know, right, right, yeah. absolutely. And and so um, I did on my little graph here that I made, I didn't put the seasons as well, but the idea that the color of white means this in the four of directions, this in the four of elements, this in the four of times a day, this in the four of times of year, just sort of makes sense and resonates with me a lot as being universal. One of the one of the biggest fun moments I had is when we were starting to develop the website and we refined and got down to these are the official white, red, gray, and black. And I based those on the stoles that you and Susie used to wear. Uh-huh. So it, it was a lot of fun for me to actually see those colors become part of the theme. And I'm always doing some little minor tweaks and updates to it, but we've stayed pretty much with those white, colors. red, gray, and black. And I tend to even use them thematically in the same way. You know, mm-hmm. white is for dawn or beginnings. Red is for that peak energy or that noon. And now I've gone out of sequence, so I'm going to you were gonna. You were gonna go to South next, and I. I yeah, I, we were. You're fine, but when you think about it, midday. Right. And that is not noon. Midday is like when the sun is at its peak. Right. Right. Peak and, energy. Peak. This mm-hmm. is when we're getting all of our stuff done. Peak heat, especially in the winter around here, we'll take that two degrees any way we can get it. Sure. You know the eight yep. so Let us know the sun's done. still up there burning through the gray. Exactly when it's at its apex. Yep. You know, and midday is very different than noon. <laughs> sometimes it sometimes it matches. Most of the time, it doesn't. You know, and in the well, philosophical noon as opposed to a, you know, local astronomical noon. Yeah, exactly. Then um, west is twilight, and and when you think about it, the twilight for us is that it's associated to those like betwixt and between places. Well, sure. you're not one or the other. It's not daytime anymore, but it's not dark yet either, and we're in between. You know, yep. and we associate those betwixt and between places as magical as well. So well, like the like the horizon at dawn is white. The horizon at dusk or at twilight tends to be gray. So yeah, it's, it's right. easy enough for me to and see it. Here again, we were talking about this in another segment, but I've spent so many years looking at sky over water that 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 horizon to me is um, a magical moment in the West. Mm-hmm. And so it, it just makes sense to me that it's a magical moment in the West over the water. And that's one of the ways that I can remember it. Yeah, exactly. And then, of course, you have Earth, which is associated with night because night for us is kind of a stable magical place if that makes any sense absolutely it's not, yep. it's not horrible and if you think of earth as being kind of foundational well know. and i i associate yep. the north with night because one of the most common stars that we know about is the north star mm-hmm. and i can only see the north star at night so that's one of the one of the ways that i make that night and black association with being north and it kind it kind of fit for us you know after some discussion sure. especially once we got over the whole my god i'm blinded by the primary colors 
Well, and I'm going to I'm going to go through these repetitively here a couple of times just because as as I speak it, it helps me remember it. And so I'm hoping somebody out there as I speak, it is helping reinforce with them. Yeah. Um, White, red, gray, black is dawn, midday, dusk and nighttime. Yeah, exactly. White, red, gray, black is air, fire, water, and earth. White, red, gray, black is east, south, west, and north. Mm-hmm. And after reading through those a couple of times, it reminds me that somewhere back in last year's episodes, I have not got them all indexed yet. I promise, folks, one day I will. <laughs> but those same colors and correspondences are the foundation for what the Witchstones Oracle card deck was written on. Mm-hmm. So if you want more information to help reinforce why it is that we use the white, the red, the gray, and the black, this you can it. go back and listen to those Witchstones Oracle card spotlights that I did in different segments, mm-hmm. and you'll you'll get more information from the from the why of why we think that association makes the most sense to us. Yeah. And please remember, it's our associations. You know, if you have something different that works for you, great. You know, if you're in the Southern Hemisphere for some reason, and you're listening to our things may be totally ass backwards. Well, these these are written on the page of our current now, but they are certainly not carved in stone for anyone. No, exactly. You know, I mean, if, yeah. if we decide tomorrow morning we can wake up and make changes to the path, then by golly, I think everybody out there should be able to, to oh, yeah. do what they want and then leave the rest. I mean, when you think about it, Sue and I used to have discussions that maybe water should be north. Yep. Because where we live, we have a very large body of water, Lake Ontario, directly north of us. Well, you know? and that was one of the struggles that I had that caused me to realize North Star. Okay, I can only see the North Star at night from the earth. It's black. I got it. Yeah, and exactly. That, that, and that was over time. That was how I kind of built some of those associations. And, I think and, and like I say for the listeners, too. You can get more more detail for the listeners by going back into those. Even even though they're about the Witchstones Oracle Cards deck, you're going to hear the foundations of why it is that those different uh, elements and associations were developed. I would agree with that completely. And I think the other part is if you happen to see the Witchstones Oracle deck because you bought one or seen somebody with one, it is based on those four colors too. All of the yep. symbols and the drawings and everything are those four colors in some combination. And those things will eventually be um, be available on YouTube. I'm still working on that project. It's just been uh, a slow grind lately. No, I understand completely. But I think that pretty much covers it, don't you think? In that yeah, respect. I think so. But the idea is we started exploring different colors as opposed to the ones that we found originally or that other people were using. Right. So if you like what we have, try it out. Play with it. If you don't like it, find your own. 
As part of the freedom of the path tradition, I'm sorry. Right. Go exploring down that other rabbit hole if you want. Sure. You know, and come back to tell us about it and say why. You know, I think that I think you get to pick whatever you want, but it shouldn't just be arbitrary either. So with that being said, because I just discovered my grandson has jumped in the shower, so there's music in the background over here. We should probably wrap up while we're ahead. Sounds good. All righty. While we've been having discussions around what we call our metaphysical kernels of thought, which are the whys that form the basics of our beliefs on the path, we recently realized that we could also share about our practices as well. These are the hows and whats that we, as practitioners on the path, actually do in our own lives. So we're calling this new segment Practices of the Path. This segment will be about everything from the various tools that we work with, as well as those we don't and why, to the solar and lunar cycles, herbs we use, crystals and stones that we work with, candles, incenses, oh my, and anything else we come up with that can give an understanding of what we personally do with our magical practices. Happy first snow of the year, at least for our area. Oh, yeah. And how many motor crashes did they have last night? Because people seem to forget how to drive in snow every year. You know, you know it's, just, it's it's not always a popular opinion, but when in doubt, I kind of tend to lean towards Darwin. <laughs> we'll leave that one alone. Of course, I was smart enough to stay off the road for the last couple of days and had, a, had an amazing holiday over at your house. I just wanted to give you a shout out here to the uh, to the listeners and whatnot. This was one of the first years that I was on my own for Thanksgiving and Elizabeth invited me and my new girlfriend over and we had an amazing dinner. Yes. We do tend to do holidays up around here just because there's so many people, you know, and, there, and there's very few leftovers after one of our meals. Right. <laughs> well, when you so have- we're talking about the stones and rocks that are scattered around my altar. Yeah, well, people often use stones and rocks as correspondences or as part of their practices, and they get called all sorts of fancy polish, unpolished, natural pyramid, etc., etc., etc. They're rocks. Let's be honest about it. At their most basic, they are rocks. They were here before we were here. They will be here long after we're gone. Pretty red rocks, pretty green rocks, pretty blue rocks. I know they all have names, but they're all just pretty rocks. Yep, I'm with you. They are, you know, and and you kind of have to, like with herbs, you look at the traditional correspondences tables, and then I tend to hold the rock, and half the time it laughs at those traditional correspondences. And says, no, I want to be this. But then rocks talk to me, and then people think I'm nuts. But that's okay too. You know, it's 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 funny that you mentioned that though, because you know, I've I've always kind of been one to shy away from traditional. Everybody knows this kind of correspondences, but I had a chance to go through. Um, I have I don't know, probably forty five or fifty crystals mm-hmm. up, up on the little stone tray, um, and I went through and looked each one up in a couple of the popular crystals and gemstone apps mm-hmm. to see, you know, 
first off, how many of them agreed and how many of them one would say earth and one would say water or whatever, which yeah. that thing. Um, but I found generally they seemed to agree. And in all but maybe two or three cases of the stones that I have, I looked at what they said and meditated on the stone and said, yep, I agree, that's earth. There were only maybe maybe three or four out of all of my stones that, you know, the, the apps would recommend one correspondence and I would just look at them and say, oh, for God's sakes, no, that just doesn't work for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in those cases, interestingly enough, they're very, very strong feeling and they tend to be my more powerful crystals. So they're, they're ones that are at least honoring my choice to have my own view of of them as opposed to you know the norm or the everybody knows kind of thing well i think those traditional correspondences have value in the sense that a lot of people have used it as such sure sure when people have been representing fire with this particular stone or water with this particular stone mm-hmm. or you know 50 60 000 years however you want to count it certainly there is that energy to it there's there's okay. no question about that um um, and because of the way frequency and some vibration and some of the other schools of thought that we don't really get into, but the fact of the matter is, if I consider it to be fact, if I imbued that particular piece of um, calligraphy stone that I gave you mm-hmm. with a particular energy, that stone has a unique energy, but every piece of calligraphy stone in my universe got a little taste of that. They all kind of share at the vibrational level. I think so. so. When you've had people, like you say, for, for hundreds of years, using the same crystals for the same association, obviously there's going to be some imbued energy there. I think that, I think the stones, unless you're really serious about it in a lot of ways they will accept those traditional meanings no just staying kind of staying along with what we've been doing with these little practice things is you know i know we're 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 talking about rocks and crystals more than in the context of the altar but that's kind of where a lot of my thinking is today you know thinking about the ones that are on my altar Mm -hmm. and what it is that they represent and how i actually you know this is our practice segment so how i use the crystals um can you talk a little bit about how you do first and then i'll kind okay. of give my rundown well first of all i would not use the word use in that response i to me i work with okay because i tend to okay this may sound a little off, more off the wall than usual i tend to see rocks as sentient in their own way and you were talking about vibration mm-hmm. because when as I, I made the joke that they were here long before we got here and they'll be here long after well and they probably talk to you i know yeah. that yes they do and and but it is a very slow kind of talking sometimes it is they have a very different lifespan for want of a better word than we do sure so that it takes them longer in a lot of ways to sometimes communicate or to warm up to people, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it makes absolute, complete and total sense. Sure. They operate on a whole different level than we do. So they're just as sentient. It's like, it, it reminds me almost of the Ents. Yep. Tolkien in that respect. 
you know, the things take a lot longer, like they have their meetings and it takes them a lot longer because it takes them two months to say a word kind of thing. Well, yeah, they run on a, on a geological time scale, which yes. to me makes me think of, okay, so just recently in the last couple hundred years, we've been focusing on this energy. Are we on the cusp of unlocking their ability to do more for us? I mean, that's, that's way down the rabbit hole, but it's certainly an idea. Well, that's kind of how it feels to me when they talk to me. Okay. I, I have earned their respect enough that they're going to tell me that, okay, yes, the traditional correspondences are fine, but this is what I have for you, which is why very often when Sue and I, I would be called to buy a particular crystal and share it with Sue and say, look, this is what it's for. It was giving me that gift of something different. Uh-huh. It's it's like Sue could work with plants, and I think that's one of the reasons I can't grow up anything is because right. I'm so hooked into the rock part of it, not the earth part, like the planet and soil, but the rocks. Well, it's 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 so interesting that this comes up, and and of course we're way down the rabbit hole. But hey, oh, yeah, sure. um, you spoke about having earned the respect of the rocks over time and so now mm-hmm. in a way you're sort of rock aware or rock whisperer and yeah. when you said that i thought about the thousands of hours that i have spent staring off the the rail of a ship at sea and looking at the horizon and, and looking at the intersection or the junction between water and sky mm-hmm. and you you know me personally well enough to know that i don't go more than a week or so without getting to some place where i can see that solid line and so i have spent enough years looking out over that water to the horizon that i have gained the respect of the water mm-hmm. and and i have that weird tendency to be able to look at the water and look at the sky and I can forecast the weather as well as Channel 10 can. And it's just from, you know, 50 years of looking at water and looking at sky and everything else. So that, that really resonated with me when you said rocks talk to me, you know, my, my first thing is okay. You know, I, I hear all kinds of that stuff, but I can identify with it now because I've made the connection with Yes, skies talk to me. Horizons talk to me. There's something very powerful about me being able to see where the water and the sky join. Yes, because I don't connect with plants. I've always been drawn to other things for correspondences. Not so much the herbs as what else is available. And for me, rocks make perfect correspondences for damn near anything. Sure. You know, there's a lot of different rocks out there and you can find them, you know. Well, and it's interesting that, well, yeah, you and I have have introduced each other um, over the years to some some new and different stuff. Oh, please, yes. Um, One of the things, one of the notes that I made before we started to talk here is how, you know, we're using the word correspondences constantly with the rocks, but... I just kind of want to step outside of that word or acknowledge that they're not always directly a, okay, so this rock means air or this rock means the moon or this yeah. rock means the season. I I wrote down under the word correspondences, representations. Totally. Yeah. Because that- a lot of times if you look at my altar and this, this might be, 
might be back from when I was a little boy with playing with trucks in the sand. Mm-hmm. It might be something I learned as being a soldier where, you know, you take a bunch of rocks and you smooth out a place on the ground mm-hmm. and you say, okay, I want you to come in from this end and you to come in from that end and you can get a good eyeball on things here. I tend to do that on my altar with the different crystals that I've chosen to use. Mm-hmm. And so they are correspondences, but they're also representations. So this this one is the anger that I'm trying to dissipate, and that's why I'm setting in the small bowl of water. Or this one is the joy that I feel that I want right next to the candle where it can get some glow. And so I'm kind of using them more as representations or totems or placeholders, if you will, for the specific things that I am working with in that moment, in that ritual or on that altar and that working. And that's, you know, you've heard me say time and time again, I, I tend to not prescript things ahead of time because I'm, I'm going to be a different guy on any different day. But on that day, yeah, those stones are my courage or my sadness or whatever those things are. Mm-hmm. One of the reasons that I like to use stones is other than the fact that there's some that you have to be careful with for specific exposure, like some you don't want to put in water. Generally, stones are fairly durable. So if I have a stone sitting in a spot on my altar and a gust of wind comes along and blows stuff over on the altar, a stone is a stone is a stone. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I don't have to worry about them breaking. Yes. You know, that kind of thing. So they're they're almost like chess pieces, I guess, for me. Mm, there's a uh, which, which is interesting because my absolute favorite chess piece in the or chess set in the whole world is made of lapis and calcite. <laughs> there you go. To me, there's a heft to them. You know what I'm saying? And and they have different heavinesses to them, if that makes any sense. When I hold one particular rock, it can weigh exactly the same as another rock, and one will feel lighter to me than the other. Sure, sure. There's a there's a deeper perceived gravity well there. Or um, whatever. With, with me, about the only tactile feedback that I'll get from stones is just um, mostly temperature, mostly sensation. You know, this is warm or this is cool, and I tend to interpret cool as brightening and sharpening and warm is sort of softening and relaxing. Beyond that, to me, seriously, again, the rocks are placeholders for some other entity or energy that I'm working with at the time. And for me, when I have a rock, and it's not a correspondence, but an energy that I'm going to work with it. Sure, yep. If that makes sense when I put it like that. Well, I know you were working with the calligraphy stone specifically around finishing one story and beginning anew and and starting uh, the work on another one. Yet another book. (laughs) Don't remind me. Okay, but in any event, getting back to the whole idea of the energy, very often when I am given something that is beyond the traditional, for want of a better word, very often when you look at a traditional correspondence, it's a two or three word thing. Maybe a word like patience or strength or whatever. Peace of mind. Yep. Peace of mind. I tend to be given like a whole phrase of what you're going to use it for. Okay. Interesting. 
Yes. So it's it's not like, okay, this is a nice stone for peace. This is one that is going to help you do X, Y, Z. And it will give you very specific pieces. As opposed to, oh, this is a nice stone because it means fire. Sure. And as soon as I, it's funny because as soon as I say, okay, so this stone means a, a person or a particular thing. Instantly, I don't see the stone. I see the entity that I have labeled it as. So they're, for me, they really are, at least during that moment of working, they're placeholders. Oh, sure. Um, I was going to add that one of the most common things I do, and you've seen me do it, and a bunch of folks at the store I used to work with have seen me do it and whatnot, but I have the, the little springy coil you can put any stone in there. Mm-hmm. With I put lobster clasps on them so I can add them to a chain or something. Yep. But very often, if you you know if I'm out and about and you see me wearing a stone like that on my talismans, um, it's a stone from the most recent working, and I am carrying that energy and sort of that's oh, yeah. kind of how I internalize the after effect of mm-hmm. magic or spell work is by carrying that piece with me, and then that's one of the things that I do on my new moons is sort of take those out and look at them and reflect them and see, you know, which ones do I need to continue to carry? Which ones can go back into the stable with all of their other rock friends? <laughs> we will not discuss how heavy my current bowl of rocks is getting again. It's like, we need a bigger bowl, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. Because I get rocks called to me. Do not let me in a store where there's a lot of rocks. I used to work at a store that had a lot of rocks. And I know. Always I, dreaded you coming in there and going down that aisle. <laughs> oh, I know. And I used to have to bring people with me and make sure that I didn't have my debit card handy and a certain amount of cash that I could Actually, buy. The last time I saw you in there, I think you had explicitly given your debit card to one of your grandchildren. <laughs> Just you said, to don't me let me have this. No, not near the rocks. Not near the rocks. Not near the rocks. Because there are certain ones that, that will talk to me and say, You're co- I should come home with you. Right. You know, and it's like, no, not today, because I'm not spending $80 on, you know, your particular chunk. Uh, 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 a really pretty red rock. Yeah. yeah a really pretty red rock. Yeah. You know, and, and I joke about it, but it's like a serious addiction in its own way. You know, I am as addicted to rocks as some people are addicted to others. I guess there are worse things I could still be addicted to, but I still have to be careful because you can, for me, I can only work with so much of their energy at one time. There again, you're operating on a on a time scale, and they're operating on a geologic, and there's some momentum and some power in their age. Yeah, it's like right now in front of me on my space where I tend to keep like the important rocks right in front of me on the computer, for want of a better word. Okay. And right now I have my calligraphy pyramid because I am plotting a book. It'll be fine. It really will. You know, and that one to me has always been, because to me it looks like writing. Yep. That I can't quite decipher yet. Absolutely. It's a the, stone it's is the, the writer's real stone. mystery letters coming out of yeah. somewhere. Yes. And then for some reason I have a piece of tectite, which is a meteorite at the moment. Yep. Yep. And I think it's because I'm out there in my own universe 
are I'm plotting my characters and themes to help the situation. You know, and- upstairs on my uh, my mundane desk right now, I have a pyramid shaped with some spaces or occlusions, but a piece of highlight mm-hmm. because I am working on abundance working on go. some financial stability working on some of those kind of things so, and employment which is well, the same. Yeah, yeah, that. well that, that creates financial abundance but i like i like to view it as other employment i mm-hmm. mean i already have yes you jobs do. yes you care do. of a house that mm-hmm. i podcast with elizabeth and that's a labor of love yes you know and uh i just need to find one of those ones that pays a lot <laughs> support your other interests yes no i understand oh yeah i right now pyrite just seems to be the the warming and success and stability and all those kind of things underneath me though so. well it makes perfect sense that you're searching for abundance with a piece of pool's gold Right. When you think about it, you know, there's, there's a reason. I will transmute this life of mine. Absolutely. Yeah. And and there's a lot of people who I think that's where some of the traditional correspondences get their start. And which is why if you look at our new spell book, there's all those modern correspondences. Yeah. And those are a lot of fun to go through too. Well, when you think about it, practical witches use what's on hand. What was the name of the book? Oh, God. <laughs> magic, practical Magic and practical Spells from the Path. And Spells from the Path, exactly. So we are practical. I'm you know? cheating. I have a pile of 20 of them sitting here next to well, me, so I can read it. Yeah. I'm having a moment today. Uh, because all right, I'm, with that. But to think about it, people can use stones, rocks, crystals, whatever you want to call them. I just happily call them rocks. <laughs> you know, there's no pretension involved with the crystals themselves. People make them pretentious, I think. Like, look at this fancy amethyst crystal, and it's got all these points and occlusions and everything else. It's still a rock. Yeah. You know, come on. Yep, yeah, it's a compressed mineral. Sure. It's a rock. It's a rock. Let's be honest about it. You know, it came out of the earth. It's a rock. Yep. Humans can call them whatever. But the idea is, yes, you can use them as correspondences and spell work. You can use them as representations. You can use them as what Sue and I used to call touchstones. Yep. The way to remember the energy from a ritual. Sure. I think that's kind of what I do when I wear one, you know, on my chest for a few days. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's it's all the same sort of thing. And to the whole, you don't have to spend a million dollars for a rock. If no, it's 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 funny. I only have good. pretty rocks because I worked in a pretty rock store. Mm-hmm. 99% of Susie's rocks were rocks that she picked up either along the trail or along the seashore. Exactly. And that's something else to consider is try looking for a rock in your backyard. Sure. As a touchstone for yourself. Or if you're near water, go to the river, go to the lake, go to the ocean. And see another, what rocks are there. Another thing that I can recommend specifically about rocks and crystals is, you know, inevitably if you're you're wearing them, they drop off, necklaces break, things happen, and so you lose a crystal or a stone. And I stopped using the word lose about that simply because what I've done, if I notice that I don't have that 
crystal anymore is I have left that rock for the next person. They might not even be a rock person, but if it catches their eye and they pick it up, they will become one. Exactly. That's and that's how I feel about any of my rocks. If I can't find them, they've moved on to somewhere else. Yep. You know, and and we don't give them credit for the ability to move, but they can. Absolutely. So with that, I think that's a good place to stop before we start going down that rabbit hole. You know, rocks tend to do that because I'm. I just happened to watch a documentary last night on the stones that sail across the um, Death Valley or whatever. So, yeah, another rabbit hole avoided. (laughs) Another rabbit hole successfully avoided. So with that being said, let's wrap this up. Rocks can be a real part of your practice or not. And remember that you don't have to, you know, because somebody said you need the $80 rock or the $200 rock. You don't. And in the event of a zombie apocalypse, rocks are really good weapons. Oh, please, yes. I mean, at least you have something heavy and sharp and hard to throw at them. (laughs) There you go. And if you have enough of them that you're throwing, even if you have terrible aim like mine, you got a shot at taking one out. There you go. So with that being said, you find mirth and reverence in all things. Be safe. Be kind. And be loved. Practical magic for the everyday witch. These are simple spells we use that don't require a lot of ingredients for correspondences or sometimes no ingredients at all. Because we like to be able to use magic to deal with the practical everyday stuff, this is what we have to share. However, the biggest reminder about spellcraft is that the best spells are the ones you create for yourself because they are a part of your own magic. Actually, there are three important components to any spell. Number one is setting your intent. This means that you need to be able to state clearly and precisely what you want your spell to do and how you want it to be done. Number two is ingredients. Any physical items you need to cast your spell, such as candles or herbs, or to act as correspondences, which are representations of something physical that you don't have right in front of you or are trying to come up with or manifest. Finally, number three is some sort of way to raise energy. After all, all spells are powered by energy, and there are a number of different ways to raise this type of energy, including chanting or various movements. Today's quick spell is all about money pennies. And here's the idea behind it, or reasons for using it. You are managing your money fairly well, covering your monthly bills and larger expenses like groceries or gas for your transportation. However, you want a few extra dollars to go to the movies, or your kid needs field trip money, or you just want to buy a cup of coffee every day this week on your way to work, and you just don't have the little bit that you need. This quick spell is designed to help you find those little extra amounts every once in a while. Your intent. I have the small amount I need to take care of, insert whatever thing you need here. And the ingredients for this spell are very simple. Yourself and five shiny pennies. Here's a spell chant to raise energy. Shine the track shine and pennies add up. I find what I need without a hiccup. Okay, it sounds a little corny, but at least it rhymes and it's easy to repeat. 
And as I said, it's shine attracts shine and pennies add up. I have what I need without a hiccup. Here's the steps for your spell. Focus on how much you want that small amount of money to add up to for whatever you need. Now start looking around as you go through your day and find five shiny pennies. As you find each one and start to carry it with you, say the spell chant. And once you have found all five, say the following. I find what I need to indulge me as I will, so mote it be. Carry the pennies with you until the money shows up for what you need. And once you have it, leave those pennies around for others to find. It's just a simple spell, and I hope you enjoy that cup of coffee. Before we go, we would like to present you with a tip or trick or witchy hint. Just something to make your day go better, because we live in a mixture of the magical and the mundane. Today's tip trick or witchy hint is just what the heck do I study now anyway? On the path, we are well into the dark time of the year, which for us is a time of introspection and gaining new perspectives about a whole bunch of different things regarding our lives and our spiritual practices. One thing we have traditionally done is picked out a couple of things that we want to study and learn about that may or may not relate to our practices to see if it's something we want to try once we have a little more energy again once we get past the winter solstice. And one of the things that we regularly wonder about is just what the heck do I study anyway? Simple and to the point. What are you interested in learning about? Where do you need to learn more about the practice of witchcraft? Where do you need to make changes in your mundane life to maintain a better, quote-unquote, balance of body, mind, and spirit in some way? And by reading, we don't necessarily mean finding some giant book that you're going to be buried in all winter. There's all different places to go. You can obviously start Googling stuff on the web. Or you can look for PDFs everywhere of things you want to read about or short magazine articles that you can find out there. Or you can go looking for a podcast that may have information that you want. Believe me, your choices and options of finding places to find information are endless. But narrowing down that list for yourself is often a matter of looking at what you've been practicing, figuring out what isn't working anymore and what you may need to find out about to make changes to improve it so that it does work for you best. Or if you want to learn, for instance, about writing rituals, you could start there and look at information. Or if you want to learn more about herbs or stones or anything, fill in the blank here. For me, this time of year. I am a voracious reader, and I'm currently buried in a book about various folklore traditions in North America, which aren't necessarily something that I want to start practicing or that matches what I want to practice, but it gives me a perspective on what somebody else is doing, and that's always valuable, too. Sometimes the best thing we can figure out for ourselves is finding out what we don't want to be doing. So with that being said, just what the heck do I study anyway is always about personal choice. So at least pick something. Today, make that commitment to yourself that you're going to find something to try. 
Well, it looks like the coffee cups are empty for this week. We hope you join us again next Tuesday. But you can find us at our website, twoyoungcrones.com. That's the number two, Young Crones. We'd love to have you join our growing online Discord community. Check out our new Patreon presence. Just look for Young Crones Cafe. Through Patreon, you'll be able to make it to our Discord. We are also Young Crones Cafe on Twitter and Facebook. Until then, remember, we are witches who work with energies to affect change. We are believers in both imminent and transcendent divine. We are celebrants of the passage of the solar and lunar cycles. We are hedge walkers who pass back and forth between the worlds of the magical and the mundane. We are seekers of knowledge. And we are walkers of a spiritual tradition we call the path. So mote it be. So mote it be. Thank you.